guess you ain't from around here, yeah I guess you ain't from around here, yeah Look at what we did in the past year, yeah A lot of green like a pasture A lot of busted like a pastor Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture No mad raps in the cheap short I'm just shopping in my Sears I ain't no soothsayer Just a truth seeker, boo tweaker Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker just make a meal while I'm getting meeker Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year Yeah, look at what we did Oh, I was gonna let you put some ham on there put Some ham put on some it some ham on that track Oh, okay, I thought that didn't want to be impolite <laughs> One moment See if I can get it to come back Partly cloudy and 41 at Parkersburg Cloudy, 42 at Lewisburg. Partly cloudy, 34 and at Clarksburg. You're Partly tuning cloudy, in to Radio. Here is the latest weather synopsis for the Middle Ohio Valley and Central Appalachians. Drier weather comes to an end tonight in the midst of departing high pressure. Widespread rain is on tap for Sunday as a low-pressure system crosses. You want to know something that just reminded me when I was talking about the rain and all? So my brother and I were outside earlier doing a uh, brush fire in the fire pit and I just happened to look up and not even just looking up, but also at the part of the sky that was not easy for me to turn around and look at for some reason. And I saw these, what looked to be three or four really bright, large stars and i just thought whoa those are i don't know of any constellation <laughs> like what is that you know and i thought there's no way what is that and so i just kept looking at it and it started to move and i thought oh here we go again because i've seen stuff like this a lot and um dude they started changing like geometric shape and uh moving and I pointed it out to my brother, which how often do you have a witness for this type of stuff, right? And so I pointed it out to him and And as I'm pointing it out to him, I was like, yeah, watch it disappear now. And of course, then two of them fade away and disappear completely. And the third one dims to the point that it looked just, just like any other star at that point. And dude, it just creeped me out. And I thought, First of all, the odds of seeing it, you know, because it's silent. I don't get any noise or anything. But then to see them change geometric shape and then one of them rest as allegedly a star. It was just something. I was really excited to share it with you all <laughs> here later because I have I don't know what it could mean. I mean, there are those angels. Um, what's going on? Awesome. Pretty weird, huh? You guys ever had an experience? Uh, like uh, I forget. I think it was like New Year's or something. I was at my friend's house and I was looking up at the sky, uh, because it was a, a dark night and he's kind of up in the mountain, so you can see the sky really well. And I saw like these, this one light come by. I was like, oh, that's weird. And then like five minutes go by, then like another one comes by. Like okay. And then another five minutes, and then three of them together come by. Mm-hmm. And then 
then another one comes by another five minutes later and i was like what is that and we sat up and uh, uh one of the girls there at the party was like looking on the airport um the flight schedule map thing you know on the oh, yeah. app and she's like oh well it's not planes <laughs> what was that <laughs> and then uh and then i looked at uh i told some other people later and then they said that uh it's probably skylink um the the satellite well from maybe. Starlink going yeah through. they blame everything on starlink now which is interesting right like at any time yeah. there's anything crazy they're like oh yeah that's just starlink <laughs> But it, it was interesting. I have seen some crazy stuff, though. Have you seen the satellites when they're launched and they make that sort of, um, like, the endless uh, symbol, the infinity symbol? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It just lights up the sky. You see a bunch of them. It looks like almost like a drone a oh, drone wait. show or something. No, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, I don't think. But I have seen where it looks like a bunch of meteors kind of streaking through the sky when they're getting launched i haven't seen uh, it in person but i've seen videos of it i live uh right next to uh the air force base where they launch out spacex in uh, california so um but i don't so you see quite see. a lot of stuff there no there was only one time that i did they usually are launching at like two three in the morning so, like, for most people, you know, you're not going to really see anything unless you're outside at that time. But I think one right. time they launched something at, like, 6 or 7 at night. And uh, everybody started going, oh, my God, what's going on? And it's like, they're just launching SpaceX. But the sky mm -hmm. turned all, like, weird blue colors. And there's, like, weird patterns in the sky from, from the rocket. We also witnessed another interesting phenomena. Um, I was looking, I just happened to be looking up once again, and there was this cloud bank rolling in across the entire sky. And I've only seen that happen one other time. And I, it's, it's as if the, um, I've heard people talk about how the moonbeams are actually colder than the rest of yeah. the night. And uh, I think that the moon has some effect on precipitating clouds because as the fire was dying down, here rolled in a cloud bank. And it was just really interesting to see that because uh, I've been, it's like if you're out there when the fire starts dying down, you'll see the clouds come rolling. And I thought that was such a weird thing to witness. You know, it was just so silent, like a blanket, just drifting across the sky or like a ripple on a water it's just so bizarre <laughs> so it's just yeah i haven't been spending enough time outside i find that a lot of times it helps to reinvigorate your sense of awe oh 100 percent creation yeah, yeah. especially oh, no, i feel like our modern sense. our modern architecture very much suppresses that energy it's sort of like a modern day Faraday cage. Yeah, exactly. Good point. And some of the structures were built to uh, amplify frequency and sound. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to, if I, I think I might have mentioned it last time, if I didn't, uh, I would like to mention that this 
creation story is also uh, emblematic of the tabernacle that would come later in the desert. Um, and so it's, it's pretty profound to me because the canopy of stars is stretched out over top, just like, you know, it's described. <laughs> so, you know, I, I really think the earth is indeed modeled after the tabernacle which the human body is supposed to be modeled after it too. So it's strange to think how similar the earth might be to the human body in a way as well. Uh, I've tried to ponder that, which is funny because you can spell earth with the same letters you can spell heart with their anagrams of one another. So there could be something to it because <laughs> we are after all made from the uh, earth, you know, uh, it was, it says soil was gathered up and, yeah i've even read that 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 angel was named abaddon i think or or uriel one of the two i think the one that gathered up the dirt hmm. anyway sorry i got us off track which no, verse from the beginning yeah uh i was saying yeah because yeah or enki uh yeah is in like everything heaven great heart earth uh, oh yeah good point uh, yeah so I, I wonder if abaddon or uriel has uh, a crossover with Enkir. yeah well and what's interesting about that particular character is um they're in like that gray area where it's not clear if it's a good or bad angel or something like that and i think the reason for that is because he's like the warden for the prison so he's like the gatekeeper of hell or something like that basically is what mm -hmm. it boils down to. So like, what is the warden a bad person? Cause he's in the prison. No, but he's there to keep everything else in line. So it's really mm -hmm. interesting to think about that. Cause there are angels that have keys right? Yeah. and can bind demons and open the pit and stuff. So they're, you know, it's kind of weird when you really start thinking about it, but, and, and when Genesis is going on here and all that stuff's being created, you know, God, already made a he, he created a jail <laughs> along with it you know uh like i might need, i might need this yeah before <laughs> before we get into uh this next part of the bible in genesis um i want to talk a little bit about last week and this idea of the moon being water because it really has oh, yeah. been uh on my mind tripping me out because i've been seeing all kinds of signs about it now being water i'm glad it resonated with you um and then um so somebody posted a thing about um the moon and the sun the feminine and male aspects or whatnot and i just said uh i think that maybe the moon is lucifer and the sun god but after the battle between the gods took place evil one and lucifer became the sun and the moon became female ruled by venus uh, which would also be Asherah. Also, the moon and sun are not human and have no sexes. They're androgynous and possess both aspects. And uh, homeboy Indy Sage responded and said, Indeed, the morning star is thought to be Venus now, but there was a planet, Lucifer, that fell from the sky and created Earth with its upper waters its lower waters becoming the hammered bracelet now known as the asteroid belt. It was the first known as Tiamat, then Phaeton, then Lucifer, 
and was crushed by the moon swept up by Nibiru from Neptune and Uranus, according to the Mesopotamian story of the Enuma Elish. Now Venus is the brightest star, but it was not cast to earth, nor did it fall from the heavens. So I just thought, I was like, whoa, because <laughs> he wasn't here for that conversation. And it, it's saying, and then I tagged uh, Nomad in it, and I said, fell from the sky and created earth with its upper waters. What the fuck? Yeah, it sounds like Kingu. Yeah, what is going on here? Yeah, so what? where was that text from again? Uh, that was from the Rising from the Ashes uh, telegram feed. Right. Do you remember what he was referencing, though? What? Uh, oh, the Enuma Elish. Yeah, the Enuma. Okay. The cool. Do we know what part by chance? Because yeah, I do I have that up. I don't know. I was looking for it uh, a while back because I have the. I have. Oh, the, you might be able to do a uh, search, like a find. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying right now. Yeah, like I have the book Let's right see, here. Their waters were mingled together, and no but... field was formed. Yeah, this sounds like the ticket right here. Uh, and, can and, you um, read the Telegram one? You have that one still handy? Yeah, I uh, I just did it. Yeah, I was just gonna like, try to get a couple keywords so I could find the actual text in the Numolish, and then we could actually compare it with the Bible oh, if you'd okay. like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was looking for the other one that was in the post because Roman uh, had posted about the. The wave, the moon wave, lunar wave. Um, it says, I don't know if he took this directly from it or if he's just uh, repeating what he knows. So it says, indeed, the morning star is thought to be Venus now, but there was a planet, Lucifer, that fell from the sky and created Earth with its upper waters, its lower waters becoming the hammered bracelet, now known as the asteroid belt. It was first known as Tiamat, then Phaeton, then Lucifer, and was crushed up by the moon, swept up by Nibiru from Neptune and Uranus, according to the Mesopotamian story of the Enuma Elish. So that's uh, that's going to be in the story okay. where Tiamat comes, Marduk, and crushes the other planets and breaks up Tiamat into what is Earth and the asteroid belt. Well, here's the first tablet from the Enuma Elish, and I'll just read this first passage. It may be sort of what he's referencing. Mm -hmm. When in the height, when in the height, heaven was not named, and the earth beneath did not yet bear a name, and the pre and the primeval Apsu who begat them, and Chaos Tiamat, the mother of them both, their waters were mingled together. <laughs> so that's probably what he's talking about right there. Their waters were mingled together. Uh, that kind of sounds like you sort of have a waters mm -hmm. from above coming and mingling with the waters below. Yeah. Sometimes it's considered like fresh water and salt water as well. Right, uh -huh. right. And no field was formed. No marsh was to be seen. When of the gods, none had been called into being and none bore a name and no destinies were ordained. Then were created the gods in the midst of heaven. Lamu and Lahahamu were called into being. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, there you have Laham, Lahamu. Mm -hmm. uh, it also kind of reminds me of uh, Lemuria. Yeah. Things like that. Mu. Uh, and what is it also called Mu, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. The only difference is the A placed in there. 
which uh-huh. shape law could be like the so is it like the male and female yeah that's what oh, i think yeah too. maybe that's well, kind of what it looks like uh, right yeah hmm. so yeah so the water is mingled i mean that's kind of what we're what we're hypothesizing right yeah which is what what is fascinating is like now that was in my mind i was kind of more or less looking for it or you know trying to hear things about that and then um i was listening to a podcast a couple days later which i sent you guys that podcast um called earth ancients and there was a, a woman on there who was uh the and that episode came out three days before we did our show and uh she was saying in uh some of the other mythologies from around the world that the atlanteans um were actually going back and forth from here to the moon um and it just made me think well if atlantis was in the north then they would have been using the rainbow bridge and she i think she had mentioned that they were using a rainbow bridge so just I was like, what the heck is going on? And then we have these stories of, you know, the moon and the dark side of the moon, possibly aliens being on the dark side of the moon. You know, that's kind of like in the in the thing or whatever. People think that. Well, there is some video of, of the moon bases and such. And I mean, there's definitely, I think there's something on the moon, you know. Uh, I have, I have always... I was just going to say, I have always felt sort of like the whole moon hoax thing was too obvious. It almost feels like they're trying to hide uh, as a psyop to hide from the fact that we actually have like bases and stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, okay, they lost the footage. Yeah, that seems like just an obvious (laughs) (laughs) cover up. I don't know. No, Matt, could you perhaps uh, look for Nipper? I think it's N-I-P-P-U-R. Yeah. Uh, that was the cloud city and they talk about it having an elevator up and down and it kind of made me wonder if the moon wasn't just like a base <laughs> or something that they used it you know one time or something very similar perhaps i mean according to Zachariah it was yeah i n i p p u r yeah like an observation deck or something because mm-hmm. there was a period of time like while they were creating earth that things were so turbulent and whatnot they really couldn't like it was a long time before they could actually step foot on earth and begin like terraforming it in different ways and i think that's why they were giants at first mm-hmm. was because they had to do so much like heavy lifting quite literally and Oh, oh, more like uh, I think it's N I P P U R or something yeah. like that. N I P P. Yeah, yeah. Try that. Oh, sorry. Um. All right. That might be a, a uh, sacred in the, city of Inlow. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, should this, be it. In the Sitchin books, he talks about how Enlil was the god of the sky and in charge of the spaceports and that all of these ancient cities were considered to be (laughs) spaceports and then yeah uh, because he became god of the sky he gave enki ea 
uh, was able to become God of the land. And so he ruled the land as a serpent and then they'll rule the sky as an eagle. Ah, oh, so that's where that eagle snake symbolism kind of comes from, huh? And that's also yep. tribe yeah. of Dan, right? Symbolism. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's it the tribe of Dan sort of transition symbols, it seems yeah. like, from what I've studied, from the serpent to uh, something else and then the horse. eagle. Is that right? Horse and eagle, yeah. Horse serpent and then horse eagle. Horse and eagle, yeah. It's the law. Which, by the way, um, I meant to point that out last time, but there's something called the Song of Moses. And I think it might be in Exodus. Uh, and I'm not so sure it's in, in Genesis. But anyway, the Song of Moses references uh, the horse and the viper. Um, and it's like a prophecy about the horse and the viper. Huh, interesting. Which is also something that's mentioned in Genesis uh, 49 when I, Isaac is um, prophesying. Or excuse me, Jacob rather is yes. prophesying um, about his sons. Yeah, we did go into that last time too. The whole Esau and Jacob story. Yeah. Fierce monster vipers, and then you see this ram-headed viper th uh, theme a lot too in the Sumerian thing. That's uh, it's like a chthonic um, type of creature something that is kind of associated with like the underground but it makes me uh think of those serpents that attack the hebrews in the desert during the uh, exodus um, and they also called the moon sin which mm -hmm. i thought was interesting i thought that was interesting too because moses is in the sinai desert where the god sin was oh, yeah, the, right? the ruler of the area and then sin later becomes female too in the in the sumerian uh epics or whatnot it started out as a god and then becomes a goddess so i thought that was interesting as well kind of the same way as the moon having been lucifer and then coming to uh women as being asherah because like i said in that that little thing that i read i think that the moon is considered lucifer because the lu is in it too luna lunar lucifer oh, yeah. and, and so, it has light yeah and yeah. it's a light bearer so i kind of was like oh i wonder if that's what they mean with lucifer that's why all these things are with evening evening uh night times associated with a dark time and uh evil coming out and then the moonlight and uh, you know, he would be the, the greatest among all the stars. A lot of the pagans and everything life. do their festivals or worships or their seances or magic rituals at nighttime. Well, isn't that interesting? I thought about that today, how um, people that go out and drink and party and stuff like that, everybody that, you know, doing these unseemly things, it takes place at night. Mm, uh, away from so the sun. Yeah. yeah yeah away from the prying eye of the sun yeah, it's <laughs> so like, it's almost like it represents a dark eye uh -huh. you know, one that's not the sin <laughs> when when daddy's gone and the cats yeah. away the mice will play 
um, one other thing too, uh, the Exodus took place under a full moon. So I think that's something mm. noted as well. When the destroyer angel, uh, the destroyer angel went over Egypt, it was under a full moon. Yeah, so that, I don't know if sin is actually represented by that crescent moon there, which I think is the case, or if it was a new moon or full moon. But the, each new month or month uh, in the Hebrew calendar does begin with the crescent moon. So mm. it is interesting connection. And the whole concept of the feast days centered around sin because they kind of culminated with Yom Kippur or Judgment Day, which is when you would atone for sin with the scapegoat. So I, I really do enjoy studying the where these parallels and overlaps occur. It's so intriguing because they basically came out of the same area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's oftentimes what confirmed them and, and got them into the Bible in the first place because there was a lot of criteria like we sort of talked about. They had to sort of have an original source and then other people who wrote the same thing that confirmed it uh, in different regions and all of this. So the fact that we have these stories that are so similar that have uh, maintained a lot of the integrity is pretty phenomenal. Uh, I think it just takes some, some, some digging, right? And I think that's why the biggest sort of thing right now is fighting for our attention because the truth is hard to, to completely get rid of. So they have to just distract us and muddy the waters as much as they can. That was a good um, pun, digging. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's not even like, it's just how your mind works, right? Because you have certain connections. So that's like the first, it's easier to jump to that word than any other. Um, anyways, what do you guys think of this image? I typed in water on the moon, I think ancient art or something like that. Oh, and, wow. And I believe you get this <laughs> Sumerian, it looks like Sumerian uh, art. And yeah, so you, you have the moon here. And then it looks like this is a seven sided star maybe one two three sun. four is that seven or do you think that's eight that could be venus that's a lot of times it's drawn like a star yeah yeah uh, i'm pretty sure venus is five points so oh yeah okay and then that in the middle could be the thing that you sometimes see where uh like a horror mazda sitting on top of yeah that that's like the vehicle or the me yeah. right or right 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 so that could be a, like a spaceship or something yeah what's that called did you say the me <laughs> the know, it's such a weird yeah oh How, i didn't know that i think it's just me but put oh, Marion or um something like that with it so it'll distinguish it but i thought the me were the were uh like the tablets of destiny true but it's also like a spaceship so i think you needed the tablets to pilot these ships oh interesting or something like that there's a little disambiguation <laughs> between like that it's because it's not real clear so i think that it's kind of the same thing or that it's just considered like technology or something like that and it's funny too because you know, we're talking about these tablets and now we have tablets and, and the Sumerians wrote with styluses. And what do we use on our tablet styluses? So I just think it's too funny how we truly have come full circle <laughs> with some of the stuff. And I think some of the, 
the Mies and stuff that they used, I think might have been like electronic tablets that they used to control their cities and crafts. Because in one story, the me is stolen, I think, by Zoo. Yeah, I was looking, uh, I was trying to find that right now. Uh, and the city dims whenever that happens. So it's almost like a smart house or smart city. And he stole the he stole the remote control for the smart city. <laughs> it's kind of what it makes me think of. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, that right the, there looks like a symbol to me. Yeah. Uh-huh, and and that right there. What do you think? Yeah, that looks definitely like it. It looks like the top was chiseled out or yeah. knocked off or something. Or like unoccupied. Like an unoccupied vehicle. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be a chariot. And here, get this. Guess what? Um, one of Israel's tanks is called the Merkaba. That's what I was just going to say. It's a Merkaba. That's basically a Merkaba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can can we get into that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. uh basically the the throne of God, the Tetragrammaton, uh, the the four beasts. It kind of just makes me think of that, really. The wheels within wheels in Ezekiel. This uh have this you ever rock that I'm holding up right yeah, here? Exactly. Is a Merkaba. Right. So it's two is it's that... two solid triangles pushed into each other. And is that ever described also as an orb for any reason? Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Well, perhaps uh well, with like the energy of the Merkaba, uh, some people believe it's like soul travel or astral travel, uh, something in the spiritual realm that's going on, and that it it looks like that shape that I just showed with the two triangles kind of within each other, and um, and there's stories of like maybe the pyramids are like Merkabas or were Merkabas. Because you have uh, actually like a triangle below the pyramid too. You have a triangle underground, so it represents the the male and female aspects. But if you were able to push those into each other, you would have a Merkaba. And they think that I've heard stories for like in the UFO community and stuff that maybe there is or was a spaceship hidden underneath the pyramids, but the idea of the Merkaba is uh it's a geometric shape right that it's uh it's that one right there look at that uh it's kind of the um it's the essence of like enoch of uh i don't know how to say it really Joshua, help me. No, I think that was good. <laughs> I think that was good. Uh, one, the reason I the asked wheels within because, wheels, but triangles within triangles. Right. Joshua has a comment. Oh, I was just going to say that one of the spaceships I've seen about uh, ten years ago was the Merkaba there we're looking at, but it was a little different. It was two pyramids, one pyramid that's sitting on top of another, but I could see a black line through the center where they were kind of sort of meeting Mm -hmm. and it hovered there in the sky for three nights. Um, and it was intensely bright. Uh, It was another one of those moments where I thought that's way too big to be a star. And the longer I stared at it, 
um, my eyes began to adjust to the light and I could see that there was a pyramidal shape in it. Uh, but it was a two, like I said, two pyramids sitting on top of one another. So I do think that it's a spaceship or something, but what really blew my mind was that years later, I discovered this movie called radio free Albemuth, which happened to be a radio, um, excuse me. It happened to be a Philip K. Dick, uh, movie adaptation of, of something he had written. And when I looked up, the, yeah, dude, that's, that's, uh, to me, that's the same thing right there that I'm talking about. But uh, the cover of the book for Radio Free Album Moves has the exact same thing on it that I saw in the sky. And that story is actually about this, uh, basically the satellite hanging out in orbit communicating telepathically with Christians to overthrow tyrannical government. What? And I just thought it was just blew my mind, dude. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> well, well, will you say that last part again? Sorry. I was looking at this art. Pardon. So the, um, there's this satellite hanging out in the atmosphere that communicates on earth with Christians and their dreams and such. And it basically helps pair them up to do things, but keeps them far apart so that they can't be eliminated. But the objective is, is for it to influence them to overthrow tyrannical government on earth. It's really quite bizarre. And, and it's a satellite, you think? Well, yeah, it reminds me of the Black Knight satellite. Oh, which kind right. of Black Knight satellite, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like, what's it doing there, you know? Yeah. So that could relate no, it, to this topic even, really, if you think about it. It's probably been um, there since I was just here. looking at the Merkaba and it has eight corners, right? Um because each, yeah. each uh pyramid has four points uh coming out of it, right? Is that right? Maybe it's correct, and then they kind of pass I guess it's more than that. thresholds. I guess it's five. No, well now isn't the pyramid mm. shaped in a way where it actually has four uh, like eight, like you're saying? Yeah, it is eight. Or it is eight. Not like an actual it is eight because there's the eight, correct. eight spoked wheel also right um and there's this thing with eight uh i can't recall exactly but like in uh china and stuff there's like a eight um legged thing uh slept near there's an eight-legged horse oh odin's horse yeah, yeah. um there's a bunch of things going on with eight and the spiritual travel aspect. It's also the star of Ishtar, right? Is it? Okay. That would make sense. I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't realize it. I mean, I knew I had heard this, but I had never really looked into it. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's already impressive enough, but this just makes it even more mind boggling. Wow. It was probably meant to be like a clock or something, you know? Yeah. In terms of how the sun would catch it, you could probably tell what time it was at any time of day, except night, of course. Oh, yeah. And then the pyramid in Egypt, too, right, is uh, eight-sided because it has indentations in the side that make it kind of, uh, they're very slight. Yeah, so hard to do. We, we couldn't, I mean, I don't think we could pull that off today, you know? I don't know. Man. Oh, and another thing about the pyramid yeah. is that the... Um, the Templar cross is basically a top-down view of the pyramid. 
Oh, totally it is. Yep. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, if you fold it down on itself, it becomes... So I've always found that intriguing as well, which would kind of be your Tetragrammaton vibe going yeah. on too, like a top-down. Which is also Umbrella Corps Corporation. <laughs> Their logo is that. What's Tetra? So it's really a pyramid. <laughs> um, how is a number associated with Tetra? Four. Four. It's Y H W H. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's a okay. Good And then Christ is the spirit that that is added to that to create the name Salvation, which is Jesus Christ, essentially. So uh, basically, whenever he appears to Ezekiel here, it's Christ sitting atop the Tetragrammaton, the throne. So it's the spirit and the name, which makes salvation. It's pretty awesome. Are they both four? <laughs> Is Christ also four? Uh, the Gematria for uh, Jesus and Joshua both, and Lucifer, incidentally. Are all each four four four? Yeah, kind of oh, interesting. I'm a four four four. Oh, Daniel. Uh, my name, my full name equals four. Uh, my birthday equals a four, and then I did like a personality thing, and then that said I was a four also. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, so not well the same be. way, but. <laughs> You could check the gematria. It's it's an interesting thing. It yeah. it only works with Hebrew and English and Greek, incidentally. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's very strange properties of those languages to have numerical equivalents like that. Uh, real quick, before we get before we get too far off of it, I did have a follow up question for Joshua regarding you had asked if we had had any encounters. I have encountered a sort of giant uh orb it was like a gold orb i was in a canyon pretty deep in it where my grandma lives and we were coming back on a on a dirt road we were driving and literally like almost like an animal was crossing the road this giant gold bright orb its own light source everything just crossed the street kind of stopped for a minute like it was checking us out and then went like up the hill on the other side um so that and i was i was like bro am i seeing things i look over and my my wife was looking at me like did you see that too and so that's kind of confirmed it wasn't just like in my head uh and so yeah that was one of the more crazy experiences i've had have you guys heard anything similar to other people happening that sounds like ball lightning which i've heard described sometimes but it would be odd that you'd see that in a canyon yeah type Said, I think so. <laughs> oh no, I don't did know. it overwhelm yeah. me with emotion? Like, did you yeah. cry or anything? I, like that? I think I was like almost paralyzed, uh, almost like it was like uh, shock, like because I didn't think to even like grab my phone or anything. I was just literally like, kind of all, all I remember doing is like looking over to see if like my wife was experiencing the same thing but like i had no thought of like <laughs> i'm i didn't have any actually it was pretty apathetic now i think about it like i wasn't fearful i wasn't really like overwhelmed with peace it was just like oh this is happening <laughs> what what state was that in this was in washington okay uh, pretty close to the center of washington 
Well, yeah. you know, what do the angels say when they show up? What's the first thing they say, typically? Do not be afraid. Yeah, because normally yeah. <laughs> we freak out, right? Right. And that is the sense I didn't, I was like a sense of, I don't need to be afraid. I, I feel like I do, did kind of have that. It wasn't like overwhelming, like, you know, like uh, bubbly feelings, but I didn't feel fearful, which for seeing something paranormal, you know, that is kind of your fight or flight would normally, I think, kick in. Yeah. Yeah, so well, it's like in its uh, what's passive para- form. What's paranormal? Para is like paralyzing norm. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of this wheel, right? Like this wheel looks like it's the flames that it's kind of yeah. depicting, almost look like it's trying to depict light, right? Like that's kind of, if you're trying to depict light, that's kind of a rudimentary way of doing it. Uh so I don't know. That's very interesting. It definitely seemed like it was circular, like an orb. It's um, interesting. And I just wonder. Picture that the, the city is on fire too behind them. <laughs> nice detail. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> well, right. Cause he, isn't he giving uh in this story in the Bible, isn't he getting a vision of sort of end time judgment, judgment, judgment Babylon, or, I think yeah. or Babylon or for, yeah. It, it, did they mention something in this vision about the temple? Or is that an, a different time? Is, is that this Daniel? Eze- Ezekiel's vision? Um, yeah, this is Ezekiel's. There probably would have been a temple, but it wasn't. I think that was Daniel, I'm thinking of. Still yeah. Ezekiel was Babylon, yeah. But if they're in captivity, they wouldn't have had a temple at this time if, and, and Babylon. Right. But they did get let out of Persia at one point by cyrus the great to rebuild the temple the second time um but so that was a why everybody likes cyrus so much and i think it's strange that they compare trump to him did you notice they had printed him on that coin <laughs> right side by side with cyrus that kind of alarmed me a little bit <clears throat> pardon right. me um, they did the same with and then um, another- saddam hussein good was supposed to be right. uh, like a reincarnation of I forget who, but he was going to re. Was it Nimrod or he's going to rebuild? Well, Ab- he ruled over Babylon. Babylon. Yeah, <laughs> technically, yeah. and they uh, speculate that the body was found. Um, you can still find a couple links on the internet about this. I didn't be interested to know what the Wayback Machine had too, but they say that Nimrod's body was recovered in about like 2014, 2015. What? Yeah, the, it was part of the operations in Baghdad and the surrounding area. Wow. Where they actually raided the tomb and got the body. So my speculation is that the vaccine might actually have Nimrod's DNA in it. What? Because the then it would be his mark, you know. And then when he comes back, everybody has his mark. So that's my conspiracy theory, <laughs> is that he will come back and... uh rule over everybody that has it and persecute whoever doesn't and he's known as the great hunter right so then he would hunt the christians so it's like odin's wild hunt kind of come to fruition in a way joshua when you're talking about that satellite was that uh and from what you've heard or what you've seen is that are they tra- are the Christians supposed to sort of infiltrate by the way of Jesus and how Jesus moved, or is it more of like a crusader type vibe? Well, they didn't fight, and what they did was use music. They used song. 
Okay. They created subversive songs <laughs> is how the government uh, characterized it. And uh, basically they were just putting um, subliminal messages in their uh, music to rebel and resist and whatnot against the government and expose the lies, et cetera. So basically they were just trying to break the programming that, you know, everybody was under. Um, right. And they and they were all spread out in like these little cells, so that if they got squashed, you know, there would always be more doing the same thing, and just whoever was successful was successful. But unfortunately, there wasn't a a big push toward uh, Jesus Himself as like salvation or the Messiah. It was more like <clears throat> the spirit of rebellion and this oppressive tyranny, uh, which was kind of ironic because. You know, it was rebellion that caused the fall, but then in Satan's kingdom, the Christians are really the rebellious ones <laughs> in his kingdom. So it's almost like he's getting a taste of his own medicine in a way. So it, it still did a good job of kind of, you know, telling that story in a way um, of good over evil in, in a sense. But it did also do this. Uh, it did include the fish thing because... At one point, the main character answers his door, and there's a woman there wearing a, one of those fish necklaces that has the, you know, we talked about that, I think, in one of the previous episodes. Right. And uh, he has like a flashback to the ancient times where they did that with their foot. And so he wasn't saved or anything. So, like, through the movie, he's kind of having his own religious experience and coming to God, as it were, but it doesn't. Uh, put a big emphasis on Christ, though, unfortunately. But I think that that could have just been for the purposes of the movie, and maybe Philip K. Dick himself had religious convictions. Um, so, but you know, Hollywood a lot of times will dilute things, or for the sake of making something marketed marketable or palatable, they'll try to take things out. But I could see the director's influence in it, definitely steering people toward Christianity. So I did appreciate that. In fact, his ex-wife still uh, is living, um, Tessa Dick, and she's been on um, some podcasts, and I got the chance to talk to her a little bit in a chat once mm. and didn't even realize who it was. Wow. <laughs> so since then, I've been trying to reconnect with her and have her on a show or something sometime and talk to her because I suspect that whatever experiences he's he was having, Philip K. Dick, I've had similar experiences and i just want to know if like the did he see the same spaceship type thing i saw is that why it's on his book mm. um is yeah. he having some type of come to jesus moment and like is getting messages from a <laughs> satellite or you know like i've had enough weird experiences that, that something like that seems kind of plausible it's just kind of strange and i don't want to suggest that the holy spirit's a the black knight satellite or, or something of that nature but it certainly is i mean especially after what i saw tonight you know what i mean like i don't know there's so much we don't know and mm. so i sometimes wonder if god does like uh put stuff you know out there just to watch us oh yeah it's hard to tell how many stories he probably wrote about stuff like this but if you look for a radio free album you can uh see a picture of that spacecraft that i was talking about uh what was it called 
radio free albumus and albumus where the signal came from and uh in arabic that translates to great fish or great well which is the fish that you draw with your mm. heel or those you know so uh it connects back to aquarius and stuff like that oh if i notice it i'll uh, there you point go. it out it's that different on some of these books that's interesting how different it is in each one. Oh, there it is on the bottom right that's basically the thing i saw okay yeah times of light were like coming off the corners so it was incredibly bright but um once i was able to uh adjust to it you know i saw the the craft in the middle and it was pretty close to that just imagine like a black line through the center where the two were touching you know it's basically right like, which could have just been uh yeah like the the shadow the gap in between the light but it seemed like it was moving ever so slightly as if it was suspended in some type of field it didn't exhibit any kind of propulsion or <laughs> it was just one of the weirdest experiences of my life and i tried to get my um roommates to come out and look at it and he was just when i did he was just so listless and apathetic like you mentioned about the orb i couldn't get him to even care about it and i thought this is one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in my life and he doesn't even care i thought what is the i just but i wanted a witness um, right it was just a strange to me like how it's like he couldn't even see it or something you know and i thought well it, you know <laughs> maybe faith and stuff like that plays a big part in it maybe uh maybe only certain people are meant to see certain things you know right that's what i was thinking it's meant for certain people and that's why I, that's why i'm trying to figure out why like was i supposed to see it for some reason you know exactly well probably strengthen your faith in some way i mean right I mean, yeah, I always sort of <laughs> knew there was something else out there, you know, other than the day-to-day -day activities and things that we see. And there's so much uh, beyond our light spectrum. So uh, I definitely have always felt that way, but seeing it definitely uh, made it feel real, especially just being in a very, you know, like sober mindset. There was no, nothing, no out of the ordinary substances or anything that would have made me feel or see anything. It was just very much like not expecting it average day routine, you know? Yeah. Out of the mundane for real. That's the supra natural to be beyond mm. natural. Um, and the praetor natural. There's a few different words that are similar to paranormal. And it's, uh, kind of to distinguish the different varieties i i, I don't mean to uh sidetrack this topic because this is great but i did want to finish genesis <laughs> at least this first <laughs> yeah, chapter right. <laughs> uh before uh before no man has to leave we got 50 minutes and i'm sure there's going to be a lot that pops up in these next few lines um so then uh yeah we, what verse are we on we're on verse 25 we finished the first five days and now we're on the day that god created man <clears throat> and so Perfect. uh this is the niv um then god said let us make mankind in our image let us let us make mankind in our image in our likeness 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Do we want to riff on each verse, or should I read the whole thing and then riff on the whole thing? I mean, should should we address... Yeah, Yeah. go ahead and just read it. Uh, Then God said, okay... Let us make mankind in our image. Did that. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it they will be you they'll be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground everything that has breath of life in it i give every green plant for food and it was so and god saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day So, so what is the word there uh when they say us? Us. I'm trying to look it up. <laughs> it seems like it when I look it up in the original Hebrew, it says uh it's like a whole phrase. It, it seems like it's combining it. Mm. Do you know anything about this, Joshua? Um, which where exactly are we at? Just 26. So yes. One one twenty-six. So, oh, it could be Elohim. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. That's usually where I've seen it translated. There we go. Elohim. Yeah, we do you see it here? Uh oh, Elohim, I see. But that's that's talking about God, right? So I yeah, guess if we want to when speaking, he says so this is like him referring to him and the angels, I think, is what it is. Asa. Okay, that or makes Asa. sense. So when it says God, and down here it says let us make, but instead of looking up us, we should look up the word they're using as God. That makes sense, okay. Which is Elohim, which makes sense. Well, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think we could probably still glean something from Asa. I'm just saying, like, that's the way I interpret it, is that he's, he is speaking, but in okay. a horrible manner. Okay, so Elohim being the masculine noun, uh, and it's plural, right? So if and yeah, it's exactly. plural, if we go to the singular, how can you have a plural God, right? And that's <laughs> well, and this is what I was bringing up. I think last episode maybe, um, Eloha, right? The singular version of Elohim is Aloha. So you could almost look at this and say perhaps the Elohim does have those different aspects, right? You have the Aloha, which perhaps is a different, um, like, is it possible that it's a singular part of God or it's like a certain aspect of God? And it's when we're only referring to an aspect of it, it's Aloha. How do you guys interpret the sort of singular versus plural here? Uh, um, When I read uh, that one part where it said, there was no form and void or you know and then god the the gods weren't created yet uh before you know when before lucifer has poured his waters down onto the earth there was no gods yet there 
I forget who read that. Uh, that was from the Enuma Elish, right? So yeah. it, the way I kind of think of it is sort of in the same pagan way where they talked about gods on Mount Olympus and there was like one chief God, but there's other gods in the council. And when it says like, let us make mankind in our image, it feels to me like whoever was presiding over the council of the other gods yeah, was like saying, Zeus talking. yeah, yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. If you want to go with, yeah, Zeus, basically. Greek mythology, but basically it's that type of idea where they're like, Hey, let's uh, have a council. And from UFO people, we've heard that there is a, a galactic council. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with that, but you know what I mean? The idea of, uh, as above, so below, too, is that everything's the same and smaller and bigger details. So if there we have governments here, why wouldn't there be some type of galactic government? And if there's a galactic government, why wouldn't there be a universal one and so on and so forth? So is there peop is there entities or whatnot that are making decisions for the the people below them? Like if we are to be the rulers over all the animals and all the birds and all the fish, are there also rulers over us that are that rule over all the humans and everything else too in the the pecking order yeah well i think that's what the that's what the angels were supposed to be right uh and then some of them decided that no we don't want to be responsible for them we want to be served by them that's kind of my interpretation of it like we are here to kind of be responsible and take care of earth and the animals and, and the vegetation and all of that be good stewards of it uh but some of us you know some of the uh more selfish people they just care more about you know in, in increasing their wealth and their riches and not so much on taking care of the planet and each other right and this also goes to another uh, aspect <clears throat> uh, from the Bible. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, where God says, I, I am a jealous God and there should be no other gods uh, exactly. that you should worship besides me. So that gives kind of uh, some, Doesn't some say they credibility don't that there was other gods because he's saying, I am the true God. I am the God of gods. I am the king of kings. Basically, he's saying he is the king of all the gods now, so you should pay attention to him and not worship these other gods because now I am the god in charge. I'm the, I am the HIC or H. What is it called? Yeah, head officer in charge, CEO. Yeah, like the CEO. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> the head of the body. Yeah, so I, I think it's kind of like that. In, in that aspect um not to say because not to say that there's necessarily more than one god but what he's saying is he's the god amongst the gods therefore he makes the, he's the decision maker he's the one god that, of gods yes yeah. like most high i think is the term that's a lot of times given to that the hierarchy it, yeah the highest archon essentially yep. <laughs> and another word that usually is associated with this uh these folks here would be maybe like the um craftsman or what i think the term demiurge actually refers to as cr the craftsman and so they were all uh basically craftsmen which is where i think 
in the Greek mythology, we have all these gods and goddesses with different abilities and such. And I think it kind of stems from that where these um, angels all had different, you know, abilities and, um, you know, they like to set themselves up as gods, of course, like um, Nomad was talking about, but yeah, but I think that they each, each of the Elohim had like different tasks to do and they had different talents and so on and so forth. Um, and I, I, I think they got tired of working and then they wanted humans to be made. Um, the, in the Sumerian, it talks about the Igigi as well, which was like another uh-huh. class of workers that might fit into this <laughs> somehow. They're the watchers. That was a Gigi. Yeah. Uh, yeah Daniel, probably spell it for you. There you go. All, all of the Ajiji, a Gigi, a Gigi. Yeah. All of the Agigi, the elder gods, wailed bitterly, saying, "What has been altered so that they should be so that they should we do not understand the deed of Tiamat?" Then did they collect and go the great gods, all of them, who decree fate. They entered in before Ansar. They filled. They kissed one another in the assembly. They made ready for the feast at the banquet. They sat. They ate bread. They mixed sesame wine, the sweet drink, the mead confused there. They were drunk with drinking, their bodies were filled, they were wholly at ease, their spirit was exalted. Then for Marduk, their avenger, did they decree the fate. So that was just a little snippet from the Anuma Elish regarding all of the Agigi, the elder gods. It's, it seems like in here it's saying the elder gods. Is that how you guys know the Agigi? Um, not me personally, no. I don't know it like that. I thought the it was like... It was- the watchers they made are the, the others that, to replace them yeah yeah they're the watcher types uh they weren't treated very well they're, i think they're the ones that were sent down to mine right and then uh they're yeah, the ones that revolted then, yeah huh. so i wouldn't see them as the elder oh, okay. gods necessarily i'd see them as maybe the lesser gods because they were like treated basically like slave labor Okay, that makes sense. Maybe it's saying here that Lahuma and Lahamu heard and cried aloud all of the Agigi. So maybe it's saying the Agigi were wailing to the elder gods. Yeah, bitterly. I think that's maybe what it's saying. Or or Lahumu and Lahum and Lahamu were um they were complaining and wailing, and then the Agigi were the ones that were helping because of that, maybe. I, I get what you guys are saying. <clears throat> yeah. Lahmu and La or like the primordial serpents they're like two they were like the two things created first bef- before anything else of, ah. in this story um interesting so i kind of see them as that you know like they're like the mother the original mother and father well i'm not surprised to see the cthulhu's <laughs> showing up <laughs> yeah, that's basically what you could hmm. characterize some type of monster monster well if you think of like no, serpents and stuff as as like the energy or the ley line there we go or the uh, right there that's basically what i had in my mind right there yeah except i didn't necessarily think they would have human heads but nagas why not right? yeah <laughs> i think <clears> there's pitching the mind day gone is there eight nagas too in the Hindu, 
I'm not sure how many. I'm not sure. Because there's six. But, but um, as as I understand, serpent it, it kind of references uh, to energies, uh, internal energies, external energies. Uh, the caduceus where the the snakes are intertwined or crossed is the is showing you the the energies of your body going up your spine to the crown or to the skull, which is why there's a ball at the top of the caduceus and then the wings because mm-hmm. you're getting in touch with the your ball might be depending on land actually yeah yeah but, exactly uh, your two serpents uh, are Ida and Pingala in the Hindu tradition uh-huh. one's fire and one's water female and right there you go fire and, and water again female and male so again it's sort of the coming together of those two energies and, and finding that balance which i can say personally for my life has been uh super helpful in sort of learning learning how to find um that balance sort of in in your opposite nature which i have mm-hmm. actually sort of found that actually through astrology that it did actually help me a lot um learning about i am an aries and so learning whoa, about whoa, my whoa, sort whoa. of more blasphemy what uh, <laughs> astrology yeah yeah no that's what i was saying earlier right last time we were breaking it down how i think the stars are for signs and seasons and recognizing these sort of templates that we have and regardless the fruit that it bore um was helpful and and led me more to be like christ because i was able to see how the opposite of me acts and how they see things and that helped me be more understanding and see some of my blind spots right i agree 100 percent. well it's the worship of it that's considered bad i mean Uh, right yes god when you make so to to use it or misuse it or use it to lead people astray like that's or or charging money for you know services relating to what you know those are the types of things that get into the uh more sinful use of it in my opinion well right and if if you make that your god like that is that this decides everything for your life based off of you know there's some discernment involved and and actually like is that resonating with you it's not so much you know if you say okay i'm an aries because of this particular calendar and how they do things and i'm only going to act this way and do this because of that it's like you're kind of putting the stars first instead of just recognizing your nature and how to work around that uh if that makes sense you, you know what i mean because i see a lot yeah, of people like kind of make it their full the identity yeah it's still there it's still warm you still feel the effects of it and see i mean it's real uh and see this is kind of what gets us to the um concept of influenza means quite literally influence of the stars and so it's thought that the stars and the planets actually could influence things here on earth through Mm -hmm. their subtle influences their subtle energies and so we as vessels um depending on what you know proportions of influence we have in our vessel we can be influenced to behave certain ways and i think this is why it was so important to do the feast days in the old testament the way they did because if you worshiped on different days than what was being prescribed you were then under the influence of other spirits um so this was like a way to provide them freedom from spiritual captivity as it were by like having them operate under 
the moon in certain phases with probably planets, although that's never really talked about in detail, but those things are all moving around. So like he was wanting them to do certain things during certain times of the year, a certain way. Well, why? <laughs> right. So there, I think it had a lot to do with these influences of like the planets and stuff. It's yeah, really they're, quite they're remarkable. Vessels for the light, not the light, like we discussed previously. Yeah. Oh, and so we finished verse 31 there, and that was the sixth day, right? Yeah. So this is when Shamir would have been created. Hmm. Where, where does it the talk Shamir about one. that? Well, it's not here, but it would be something I think you find in the Jewish uh, Masoretic, Masoretic texts, like the, I don't know if it's necessarily the Talmud but uh commentary and uh like the oral traditions and stuff like that which is interesting to me if that's the case because um it would constitute like a twilight language which the shamir worm is very much a uh like the mascot <laughs> for twilight language i guess yeah and it was used for uh by solomon to create the temple so it was kind of you know I think it was made ahead of time, you know, knowing that he just finished uh, all of creation and like he crowns creation with the Shamir one. <laughs> Basically, it's the cherry on top. The last thing he creates. <laughs> I think it's so remarkable and cool. Which, by the way, that is Twilight Ragnarok. Is that like last last daylight of the day on the last day? Yeah. Then the Sabbath begins. So. No more work was done after this. I want to um, go back to this verse. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It's interesting that it says to subdue the earth and all the animals. Because seemingly it seems more like we're supposed to live harmoniously with everything so i wanted your guys's opinion on on that kind of uh yeah i think that that's a great right comment there. i'm gonna try to find the original hebrew maybe here. to exercise your authority yeah. however that might be because like subdue it to me means like pretty much what we're doing we're taking it all doing whatever we want to it we're making it earth our bitch and making it work for us <laughs> but in, in a way like i feel like it's supposed to be more harmonious so it's interesting in the bible that it does say sub to subdue it and rule over everything almost seemingly like we're at the top of the food chain so we have we have a uh, you know dominion over the entire world well think about it this way though if if we add the perspective of the Sumerian creation epic here, and, and let's just just add this too. Let's say that this is Marduk basically talking. Then he's is he telling us to have dominion over Tiamat? So if Earth is Tiamat, now does it sound so bad to say subdue it because he's just finished killing this dragon and he's like well now i'm going to use it to create the world <laughs> and you guys have dominion over it 
because you're my children and you will, you know, do, do as such. Do you, do so you I think that's kind of an interesting thing to consider? Well, in that aspect, do you think that maybe the dragon or dragons could be uh, planetary bodies and that's why they drag on through the sky? Well, um, there are some that are named that in particular, like for instance, Rahu and Ketu. You uh, see those in astrology a lot of times, and they're known as the nodes, the north node and south node. Uh-huh. And what I find very peculiar about that is that there's a story about the dragon being split in two. Um, I can't remember if it's by Marduk or Indra or what the story is exactly. I think it's Indra, actually. And uh, there is only one constellation in the sky that I know of that's split in two like that. And it happens to be Serpens, which is a snake. You have Serpens uh, Kaput, which is the um, Serpens uh, head. And then you have Serpens Kata, which is the tail. And it's just like Rahu and Ketu. So um, I would point that out as, as a potential link. But, um, but yeah, there's also the potential uh, dragon in the outer reaches, like where the thrones are and like where Saturn rules. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times referred to as like a dragon. And so you'll see the Yorboros, um, which, I, you know, I don't like to say that things are definitely this or that, but a lot of times you'll see Saturn and uh, kind of depicted as the dragon or Euroboros. So mm. it could be that too. Or maybe there's many, you know, and they all have different authorities and um, rankings. Yeah. So like the red dragon would be Mars. Well, and, and consider also that the further out they are, the more rebellious they are in a sense because they are outside the influence of the sun interesting that too is one thing to consider about saturn being so far out well of course pluto is hell (laughs) hades so yeah far as the farthest from the sun which makes me think of the word apogee because perigee is when it's the closest to the orbit Apogees when it's the furthest away. And what do we um, say to somebody that's not with the church? We call them apostate, apostate, which is mm. to be the furthest away, right? So I think it's really interesting to use those words to look at the planets and kind of think like, well, is Saturn and Pluto and Uranus? Sometimes Uranus is depicted as a dragon too, I've noticed. But uh, those are like your apostate planets you know and the closer you get to the sun the more orderly they seem to be but or less malefic although mars is sometimes seen as malefic um but yeah yeah, i don't know maybe it's a red dragon you mentioned mars being a red dragon perhaps yeah that's what is talking about tread uh that's kind of the word that comes when i'm looking up dominion as well it's like treading and what is that famous like flag? Don't tread on me, right? Mm-hmm. With the yeah, snake, Gadsden, Gadsden yeah. flag. Yeah, interesting, fascinating. Which you know, the whole Dan prophecy is about treading upon a serpent. It's in the serpent in the way, right? 
and uh, yep. the horse treading mm-hmm. upon it. <laughs> so I think you're onto something there, now, man. <laughs> so that would almost suggest hmm, something to do with dominion, which Over one the of the dagger. oldest prophecies in Genesis is, uh, I think, in the next chapter, it's either in two or three, when the serpent tricks Eve and Adam, the first curse is that the serpent's legs are taken away, probably its wings too. And then it's forced to crawl on its belly. And then um, the decree is made that the woman's seed will crush the head of the serpent. So there too, you get another trident on serpent illusion or reference. Which it does seem like, you know, that correlates with with who we are. And it seems like also with the earth, right? Yeah, there is that sort of taming of the beast that needs to happen within us. Yeah, which is just like an echo from the earliest things, like (laughs) from what occurred before the planet was even here is like slaying dragons. It's like, I'm going to immortalize this act, you know? (laughs) <laughs> so it just tickles me, you know, because you don't ever hear about this stuff in school. You think this is the stuff that we should be really studying. <laughs> oh, I know. It's crazy. I mean, what are you really learning in school? If you come out, you still don't know how the earth is even there. Like, what kind You're of. You're just memorizing other people's facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with learning um, religion in school at all as long as they i feel uh teach about all of them i think that would be more encompassing um well, i just totally. mean like trying to pursue the truth you know like and then, going to a school and you come out yeah you know, really come out smart you know i, I, they don't I feel teach you like how to learn they teach you what to learn yeah i feel like you'd mm-hmm. be less scared of what other people believe if you understood what they actually believe because seemingly it seems like you know people get certain groups get bad uh publicity about what they believe in but when you look at it from their perspective it doesn't seem as bad all the time sometimes it's pretty fucked up but yeah um, (laughs) but sometimes it's that's a great point though um just uh even like you know the idea of knowing your enemy you need to like study these other people because once you once you start studying your enemy, you realize that they're not your enemy; they're your friend. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that's a great point. If you were to if we actually encourage the learning of other religions, and that was like almost like a like a, you have math and you have religious history or whatever, like yeah. specific. I think that would help bring a lot of people together and just better understand where we're coming from. And help people actually care about spirituality and being kind and all of the great things that does come from religion, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like it's been obfuscated, and so uh, they're able to focus on the negative aspects right. without everybody growing up knowing the beautiful parts about it. Right, because fear is often the absence of love. You don't, you, or understanding, you don't have a yeah. love or, or understanding of what you're talking about, so you are afraid of it instead of... um involved with it so it, it kind of you know i don't mind it as long as it's like you know a separate class or whatnot and it's not like you know people giving lectures and and it's actually about studying and and you know learning rather than you know going to like church or whatnot like church is church 
but like i think you should be able to study it in school i think and once you get into like college and stuff there is like religious studies classes right so it's kind of like a higher learning but i think they could probably fit it into high school somewhere yeah i think so oh there's the commandment too to be fruitful that you mentioned and you guys both have children so you guys are fulfilling the first <laughs> commandment yeah do what i can um I, yeah i think this subdue thing yeah that's very interesting I, I like the aspect you go from with him you know slaying tiamat which is the dragon and then subduing the planet so he just got done mm. destroying it and now he's trying to create the world that we're living in and he's like yeah you need to subdue this fucking bitch because it's treacherous it's uh you know I mean? the, makes the, good the, sense yeah if you think about like earth too and like uh the um cataclysms and whatnot that have befell on the planet uh a lot of times those are personified as like these great apocalypses that are taking place and it seems like they're always trying to see how to avoid these things like uh, i think you brought up in the last one how they built the tower of babylon to like try to oh, yeah. avoid being flooded right because they're up that yeah, high exactly. so they wouldn't get flooded again so they could do what they wanted to do that whole that's kind of like a subduing of god in a way um but so it's it's kind of interesting this whole subdue aspect um well in that way it's like his creation had almost become so much like him that they wanted to be god themselves so yeah it's kind of interesting too like he created the perfect murder machines basically <laughs> You know and that's like hey just like him in a way like only he could have done what he done with with tiamat for instance you know so it's kind of interesting too so and that's where like the true strength of that archetype comes from because by having great strength like that but then also being able to restrain yourself and show mercy and kindness only the strong can show mercy so i think that's the kind kind of thing too that like that was lacking in uh the babylon you know the babel they didn't have the compassion or whatever you know um they were missing some of those other fruits so they might have had like his qualities of might and so on and so forth but they were lacking in other fruit <laughs> um i think that is a good word though in a lot of ways right to subdue because it's almost like you're transmuting something without uh too much force in a way it's mm -hmm. kind of how i see it you're you know you're able to isn't that a big like martial arts thing that you kind of like take that energy and you you subdue it you put them in a uh in a subliminal or a, what's the submissive position yeah well this might be of interest um the term malik tau which is king of the way the peacock um it's part of a creation story too <clears throat> that um that first bit of land that is created that the peacock lands upon and gives a great cry <laughs> basically it's a witness to the death of the light i think on the altar is what it's doing but um there's a martial arts style associated with that and it refers to malik tau as the leader of the archons or the creation angels mm. like the ones that were doing all this work um and uh it says that the the way that the article i found described it was it's um 
it, it even has his name in it, Malik something or other. But um, it describes him as being the vanished archon. Like he's the head of him, but he vanished. And, uh, and he created this martial arts style that um, uses the opponent's energy against them so it's like right exactly different style to basically uh, reminds you of those old drunken masters like the tai chi masters or whatever Mm -hmm. take their momentum and turn it against them and stuff like that so i thought that was really interesting uh i just learned about that this week that martial arts style yeah and that's beautiful because that's kind of how i see it right uh it's kind of like a dance it's like you know if it starts pouring down rain you could see that as it's like attacking you or you could see that as a, you know <laughs> oh now i have fresh water i'm gonna use this and funnel it to my house or you know whatever uh because nature yeah. is kind of attacking us at all times if you look at it that way so there is kind of that dance that sort of martial arts aspect to it which life seems to very much have a sparring nature to it right yeah and we you all love to say it that way like the earth really is attacking us in a way too that's that's quite remarkable to say it that way so yeah <laughs> like subduing well, it it's, it's like a battle we yeah. build we build dams uh to retain the water uh we we build bridges over uh land or over water areas to get to the other sides we do a lot of different things to kind of subdue the land and reinforce it or build uh culverts around fields and whatnot to subdue the water we do all uh, we do uh the building of rivers um uh canal systems a lot of these different things all have to do with like subduing the earth uh, it kind of gets into the idea of what I think that the pyramids were used for was a type of acupuncture because they're put at the ley lines. So if you're putting these pyramids at the ley lines where they intersect, that's kind of calming the energy of the earth so that it's not so uh, chaotic. Yeah, or just, or again, sort of uh, channeling that energy where it needs to be released, right? Yeah. Like- yeah. creating release valves uh-huh. uh, yeah and then channeling it and using that energy for other things yeah yeah so not just yeah using it exactly after you, you subdue it you're using like what you're talking about with like you know the rain uh mm-hmm. it's attacking me with water but i'm going to use this water and drink it and then now you've subdued it right or if you're like attacked by a bear and you subdue it and then you eat it, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I mean, I'm vegan, so I, I that wouldn't be me, but uh, yeah. just throwing that out there, you know, nature is always sort of attacking us. <laughs> I want to get into this other one uh, because this is a big topic among a lot of people and it's uh 27. So God created mankind in his own image, the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. So, it's saying that we were created in the image of God. A lot of people believe that this is like that God was human looking and we were created like that, or we are created in the image of being a soul. Uh, so we have a soul within our body and God is a soul. Um, so he, um, wh- how, how do you guys interpret this? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? 
Do you have anything, Josh? Not all at once. <laughs> I'm I'm looking up right now, trying to find oh, some I'm sorry, juice I here. Didn't mean to be muted. Uh, so what this reminds me of is the word imago, which is the perfected state of an insect, like in a third stage when it gets its wings, like, like a butterfly. It's considered a, it's considered perfect. So this reminds me of that, and I can't remember if. Uh, it might be used in Revelation too, that word imago. <clears throat> like whenever the uh, Antichrist creates an image and makes everybody worship it, is that the same word used here? So, you know, I think that would be an interesting comparison from Genesis to Revelation with that uh, word image. But yeah, so, I think imago is what comes to my mind is the, the ideal of perfection like the finished ah uh, yes I think of eight movies too like when the deacon gets made it's like considered the perfect alien that <laughs> also makes sense with like the idea of subduing the earth and that we have dominion over everything because we're at the top of the food chain so we're kind of yeah. created to be you know the adamu um the the prototype of mankind was Adam because uh, when, when it's talking about the fashioning of Adam it's almost like there was others before him but he was the prototype he was the perfect one that they had created and so they went with that model uh, so that's a say. good way to look at it yeah yeah so it's like creating creating man was in that same aspect and I, as such it was given the Ruach Hakadesh, the Holy Spirit was breathed into him. Yes. So this model got the upgrade of having a spirit, which apparently connects to our free will. Ah. Uh, potentially. <laughs> because yes. God himself has free will to do whatever he likes. So by giving that to us, he really did make us in his image. He like gave us basically limited versions of all his powers and faculties, <clears throat> just less potent, perhaps yeah and less Seems territory that, you know whereas he probably governs universes we just govern the earth right it seems like the hebrew etymology uh the root meaning to shade that's kind of interesting uh for what word? perhaps like uh for image uh, i looked up the phrase uh image or the word image here from that scripture verse we were just reading mm -hmm. um and so Salem and the root, this is from an unused root, meaning to shade. But you you could look at us as like sort of the shade or the shadow of God, right? Of the light. Mm -hmm. So I, I that that's kind of poetic. I just find that interesting yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, that is. When we talked about that relationship too with the Hebrew language. Yeah, exactly. The light, uh, the light produces the shadow of the yod making the, the shadow puppets on the wall, which are the Hebrew letters themselves, that too being a shadow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is fascinating. We're like an inverted projection. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like the light, we're like the shadow in a way, or like the object that the light is forming around. 
which is kind of like how we do things, right? Like uh, people will put on a green suit and then we'll project imagery onto them and then oh, put them yeah. in a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. The light, yeah. Shade, the image. It's a form. So I really think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get anything that's specifically mentioning like facial features or anything like that. Uh, but it, you know, it's definitely leaves room for debate. There's something else to, to point out. So, uh, I know we haven't got to Adam and Eve yet, but, um, what tree was it that they, you know, was it, was it an apple or was it a fig tree? And what I think is interesting about that is that when you go to the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 2432, it talks about the fig tree not yet having leaves and being, you know, a branch that is tender and putting forth leaves. Well, uh, also in Mark 13, he curses the fig tree for only having leaves and no fruit, just having shade. So I think that it's kind of interesting that we got the concept of a shade tree being seen as fruitless. And so it's cursed from the root up and here we got images being shade and i just think that's so strange you know to have that i would have never if had you not pulled that up i would have never made that connection with shade so i think that's kind of strange to wonder if and that's why i love about hebrew is it's so subtle those references to the shade it could be a totally different letter or whatever but it's accented here or has a, a delete beside it or whatever. So it makes it mean something different. So it's a pretty, pretty interesting language. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Idun? Um, she's a goddess associated with apple, apples in Norse mythology. Oh, yeah. Mm. I think I have actually. And there's a story about um, how Odin eats these apples every day uh, to like give himself longevity more life that's like an apple a day will keep the doctor away type of thing <laughs> uh, and so he would eat these apples uh and it would keep him young and youthful and then uh loki stole the apples from odin and he started to the apples uh, of eden yeah the apples of edun Eduna. how strange yeah <laughs> right? what a weird thing <laughs> i never knew it was such a thing man thanks yeah and so it says uh, that the post Edda relates how Loki was once forced by Jotun, uh, which are the giants, to lure Idun out of Asgard and into a wood with promise of apples even fairier than her own in the form of an eagle abducts Idun from the wood, bearing her off to his home. Idun's absence causes the gods to grow old and gray, and they realize that Loki is responsible for her disappearance. So this uh, idea of apples and youthfulness um, is pretty interesting. And when you put it, especially when you put it into the Garden of Eden idea, and Idun is uh, the goddess's name. So... Uh, I, I find that kind of fascinating. So maybe they're kind of playing off of this myth when they were talking about uh, the apple from the tree of life. 
or I don't even think it actually says that it's an apple in the Bible. I think that's just how people have personified it. Yeah. But where I get that it's probably a fig tree is because they covered themselves with fig leaves. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a context clue. Um, here's another thing to consider. Um, the Sumerian, the, it's like an iconic image of the Sumerian base reliefs of where they're standing there at the tree with what look like pine cones in their hands. It's a lot of times that's characterized as the tree of life. And so when you were talking about these apples and having that ability to keep them young and whatnot, it kind of reminded me of seeing those uh, Sumerian characters standing around that tree. Uh, and, yep. You know, they're pl plucking fruit off of it, you know, or, or fertilizing it. I'm not really sure what, what's going on there but yeah exactly right there it is at the very top yeah it perfect the fig uh kind of has a a yoni symbolism to it if you cut it open um yeah also the did apple, you know huh you can uh a fig must be fertilized by a wasp so every time you eat uh, a fig wasp that has been trapped inside Interesting. and what do you know there's that symbol again the uh merkaba merkaba yeah at the top um <clears throat> uh i think we talked about this on a slow burn but an apple when you cut it open it um it kind of has the same type of symbol of a uh, yoni um oh it's got a, it makes a star too is that yeah. guy wearing a sling and it makes a star he is yeah that's he's wearing, bizarre he is wearing a sling never noticed that before that's so weird so he's yeah. injured they also have watches who is that on. guy <laughs> yeah that might help identify that person actually they also have watches on their wrists or what Look oh, yeah, they, got, they got all sorts of watches both, yeah. both hands uh-huh you want to know something really weird is that in dark souls there are what they you know in, in the in the lore there's like these god type creatures and, and entities so on and so forth but as their symbol the symbol for royalty was that flower design you see it on all sorts of stuff that associated with giants and the quote-unquote gods in that game they all have those uh, flower symbols and i've always thought that was strange i wondered if maybe they were making some type of subtle reference and what and because i've never seen it anywhere else and uh but yeah that flower yeah i wonder if there's i think any, it was like uh, maybe part of the how they activated these machines or something maybe they had to have one of those on yeah i don't, I don't know i think they're more of like a fashion thing because they're on both wrists so i think they're more of like a bracelet with like a trinket or something uh because oddly like on this guy on the left his hand the bottom of his <clears throat> wrist is facing you and he has what looks like a watch then also on the top one, it's on the top <laughs> side and it looks like a watch. So is it that little trinket on both sides or is it just on one side? 
some both. Is I'd have to think it would have some practical use. I mean, yeah. I, I do agree that it could be jewelry, but I just I can't help but think of what the practical use of it was. I just it had to have a purpose because. I don't know. I kind of see that as maybe being in the way, you know, like if I don't wear anything on my wrist because I don't want to be encumbered or fettered, you know? So I'd have to think like if, if they wore them on purpose, they must've had some type of, uh, maybe they're super, uh, super spiritual and they just have crystals on them. (laughs) Yeah. And they're using well, and, and I also thought of maybe it relates to the me in some way, you know, like if uh, oh, spirit maybe they, that's how they access their markabas or their homes or, um, you know, like waved it in front of the door. Because, you know, now that we have microchips and stuff like that coming out and people can do that, of course, I think that's the mark of the beast. But still, uh, they were probably high tech, you know, so I, I've often wondered if maybe it relates to some type of technology that we just yeah i tend to agree i'm wishy-washy i'm just being devil's (laughs) advocate at the moment but uh you know i would like to believe that they're watches and that uh yeah or just a watch (laughs) the antikytheria mechanism was this thing that they found that basically tells uh the the motion of the stars in the sky and it was like Mm -hmm. kind of like a little it was bigger it wasn't small enough to be used as a watch but i wonder if maybe like you know that was like came afterwards so the gods would have had something way more technological than what they passed down you know kind of like how the military and then uh us normal civilians have yeah, the consumer yeah they have way more higher technology than what we would have so uh maybe that well, i think it might have been more, but... i think it might have just been used for navigation on ships which could explain why we right. found it in a shipwreck right yeah you know well, yeah they found it at the bottom of the sea um mm-hmm. i think in the mediterranean so uh yeah that guy few... does have a sling that's <laughs> yeah, really yeah. interesting that he has a sling yeah right tells you that the gods can get hurt well and then the ones with the horns on their heads those that represents divinity so it would almost seem like the ones that don't have the horns would be humans like rulers Uh and then the horned entities must be divine because they got wings and horns whereas the human looking dudes don't have wings or horns so you're right he could be harmed so maybe they're like allowing the humans to eat from the tree yeah or something like that field whoa i wonder huh also they kind of remind me uh you know of like a stargate or something it could be they could use those devices for like dialing a certain uh uh-huh. yeah you know, yeah constellation or something i want to go to 1822 yeah and then they go and that's a good point though like maybe they're trying to show it is double-sided that is an interesting point because a lot of things create sort of a vortex or something in inside of it so if it was kind of wrapped around doing something within your hand 
Or, yeah, maybe that central pillar is like a rod or something, and that's energy or something around yep. it. Yep, yep. I, I wonder what's really going on there. That's really quite fascinating. And then they like always did, have the bags. Like the yeah. Dejed pillar of the Egyptians. It kind of maybe resembles that, in my opinion. Roman and I on uh, RFTA, and one of the early episodes, he was talking about pine pollen and the uses mm-hmm. of the pine pollen and interesting they carry these baskets around and then this they have this pine cone looking egg thing that they are putting on the foreheads or putting in the mouse or touching people with almost like uh, <laughs> a form of like a, a ceremonial like saying i am passing the knowledge to you type of thing and so like how these people are both grabbing at the or pointing at each other standing next to this what seems to be the tree of life or whatever uh tree of knowledge they're putting the pine cones at the back of their head like we're giving you this now we're giving you this knowledge so that you can note also how the angels aren't wearing those wristwatches just the humans uh, apparently oh interesting yeah so well, these are still, I think these are still both Anunnaki. They're just not um, kings of the Anunnaki. Um, One thing cor- I did notice. Depending upon how many horns say, that you have on each side, too, determines your rank. Does it seem to you guys like the, uh, let me see if I can back up here. Um does it seem like the watches are inverted to you guys? Do you see that? Like it looks like one is uh, like embossed and one is oh like, engraved. Oh, okay. yeah, interesting. Maybe they maybe they fit together, like in an attitude of prayer. Something. You put your hands together. Oh, that's just oh, an interesting detail. If you're all holding hmm. hands with each nice other, nice detail catch, in. man. That that's pretty rad. <laughs> I love that I'm you know it's something I've seen so many times, but never never in such detail so it's pretty rad yeah i like got this photo of adobe yeah. i'll check so out actually the, de- uh, uh, look into it <laughs> uh look at the hands of the two human dudes um they're making a. you mentioned the fig earlier uh daniel was a yonic symbol yeah but that's exactly what these two figures here are doing um the the hand gesture they're using you can see the guy on the left uh-huh. his is a little more easy to see but uh that is the um thumb through the, the front pointer finger. finger and the middle finger that is the symbol of the the yonic the yonic ah. symbol. Uh, it's used a lot in christianity like ancient christianity and stuff too um, it's supposed to ward off evil and be a sign of like uh, fertility. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's very, it's it's quite prominent in, in a lot of regions. So it's supposed to re- like represent abundance, the fecundity. Um, I wanted to count their toes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if they got six fingers or toes, they might be angelic or giants or something so that's something to look look for 
because they only have five fingers and uh, it looks like five toes too. So I guess they're normals. They're normies. Yep, five toes. Which is interesting because, you know, we know there were six-fingered and toed folk. Yeah. So these these dudes were not them. Look at the fashion <laughs> of their sandals, though. I mean, they have, like, some pretty good soles on there. And they have, like, <clears throat> we should we should make sandals that look like this. I bet people would buy them. Is that guy gelling? Anunnaki symbols. Or Anunnaki symbols. Is he gelling? Yeah, dude, look at it. Look, it looks like it. Dude, that guy is so gelling. Look at that. Those are, yeah, those are custom. Dr. Scholl's (laughs) Sumerian Jesus. What would they have used for souls like that, really? Because that's like something we see now, like with uh, the rubber souls that we have, but they conceivably i don't know that they had rubber back then maybe they did but maybe animal hide or uh, it's really hard to say yeah i know look there's a clearly using ligaments or something for the straps i think one of them has a nike symbol on the side right there and a swoosh (laughs) just kidding (laughs) but see why even like I would I would just go barefoot at that point, you know. That's not much of a shoe, really. So, right. what was the real benefit to even wearing the sandals? You'd think they just go around barefoot. I mean, hot sand, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know, like sand's everywhere, dude. <laughs> You're not gonna keep it out because uh, they're higher beings, so they uh, have better better shoes, I guess. Everybody else walks around bare feet, but they're able to afford it. I don't know, because seemingly you'd think that, um, you know, higher beings would be more connected or grounded to the earth and have their feet in the sand and whatnot. So why why would they wear shoes? That's kind of a weird one for me, because we've often talked about, you know, Roman talks a lot about walking in, in the woods or whatever, barefooted or walking on the ground and receiving the energy yeah. that way through up through your feet. And and essentially like having soles on your shoes is like soul blocking because it's rubber so you're not able mm-hmm. to get that energy from the earth uh traveling through your body you're blocking off that so interestingly that these higher beings have sandals on well then why do we why do we think they are higher beings because they're anunnaki they're at the garden that's the tree of life Okay, fair enough. True enough. <laughs> so this, this man, I, I, I'm just not, you know, like, who, who's the, you know, I don't and know. They have wings. Do we they like, know wings, that dude. they were? It's the guy. Well, this guy does. One of them does, right? Two of them do, yeah. The two on the ends have wings, and then the two in the middle, standing next to the that whatever that tree thing is, uh, do not have wings. Or horns. So They just have the regular cat. You know what? The way they're pointing at each other, doesn't it almost seem like they're like uh like about to go to war or something? They're like it almost seems like they're dueling. Um I, I found so. the link finally for the the, it's called pointing unis at each other. Well, I mean, it's actually called the fig sign. I found the link. Ah, finally. there's a fig sign, huh? I forgot it was actually called that, so kind of weird that we're 
talking about figs. Interesting. So maybe that's a fig tree. How weird is that to think about? Because that's what the tree of knowledge of good and evil is in the Bible is fig, apparently. It's a it says so, that it's an obscene are... gesture. Interesting. And adopted by yeah, the, the Slavic cultures sign. who were the first slaves. If you think about it, it's like the opposite of the middle finger, because the middle mm -hmm. finger is a phallic. This is the feminine version of that, essentially. It's the phallic going in. It's used to ward off the evil eye, insult someone, or deny a request. So if we're to take that for what that is, and that's what they're doing to each other, they're like denying Oh, maybe they've other. been in a war and he's injured, and that's why he's got a sling on. Maybe this is like a, a peace, peace treaty, treaty kind of thing. Interesting. Like in the, under the oh, eyes of God. And then, like they got witnesses and stuff. Yeah. Can I get a witness? It's kind of wonder. I mean, that's what the script under there is like talking about. <laughs> like there's all this writing there too. Like who only knows what yeah. we're really looking at. <laughs> Maybe it is a peace treaty. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a ceremony of like, hey. One guy is kind of like grabbing a what looks to maybe be a sword or something still too yeah he has it in his waist but the other guy has like this little mace thing in his hand well maybe it's no sure. look it's like protruding out behind him too oh is it oh it is so it's like a rod like a scepter i think so they must uh, both be kings is what it is yeah interesting. And maybe each of the angels are like their respective tutelary deities i think that's the term tutelary deity let me see if i can find that real quick huh. fascinating stuff spider-man spider-man it's pretty much the same thing right <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah exactly okay here we go yeah i think this is what's going on here so i think it's two kings standing there with their tutelary deities which this link here will explain more about that it's a deity or spirit who is a guardian patron or protector of a particular place geographic region feature person lineage etc so i think these two creatures on the sides probably the tutel tutelary deities of the respective kings nations so they're basically making a peace treaty between two gods and two kingdoms. That's, dude, we probably just cracked something here that people have been <laughs> working on for years. <laughs> and we're like, oh, yeah. Hot take. It's a peace <laughs> treaty. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. And yeah, I never yeah, noticed I the hand gestures that they were making in, in that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty, that's fascinating, man. I'm going to look more into yeah, that. city gods. So like Enlil would be Nipur, for instance. So if Nipur was represented here, one of those dudes might be Enlil. But I don't know what city we're dealing with here. So there's a lot. Uh, I bet, expect. yeah, we're going to have to look into the sling. I feel like he's going to be the, the giveaway here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That'll well, so probably help us identify you see these three three horns on the side and that represents 60. so that's the most high on that side and that's the most high on that side 
Oh, interesting. So that is, uh, yeah, because 60 is the highest that you could be in the Sumerian. Um, and then the girls were, uh, in the, in between, they were the five, yeah, the five 25, ranks. 35, 45. Uh, but the gods, maybe, uh, maybe it's Enlil and Inky. Good. Very well. So be. here's that, that cross shape that we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, on its necklace the templars cross and the moon, right and the moon That's the moon yep moon. those symbols that were just together and uh-huh. then this almost looks like ezekiel's wheel yeah or the star and then the star, uh, the sure star of ishtar or which yeah. one well the seven pointed maybe i'm not sure how many points that oh has. right 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 because that other one had the seven so it that one be. i'm not the other one though i don't know about that yeah this i don't know what that like is bell Looks like a bell. That's what I thought too. Looks like a bell, and then uh, it looks like there's some scrolls tucked into his waist right here, right? Dude's packing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> scrolls. Yeah, I w- wish we could read. Uh, what is this? Akkadian. Sumerian. Uh, Sumerian. What is it? Cuneiform. Uh, cuneiform. Yeah. Cuneiform yeah interesting i wonder if it has been deciphered is there we should look into that to see if it has been deciphered before i'm sure it's like Uh, a a image search to figure out what this is called all the glyphs here yeah way to start that might be some good homework for us yeah (laughs) but those shoes are are stylish man I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, what about the artistry here? I mean, it's written over top of what was already carved. So, well, kind of. I mean, it looks like it's what? in it, though. Like, it's in between. It's it. like, <laughs> so yeah. was this all wet when they did it? You know, like, I'm just still trying to wrap my head around how they created this. This is a work of art. I yeah. mean, it just boggles yeah. my mind. <clears throat> Have you guys ever heard of the pine cone and how it sort of has this certain um, like structure that creates implosion and you can sort of use it to channel or to focus intent or focus energy? I think it was Dan Winter. Maybe I heard talking something about this, um, but yeah, I found that fast. Okay. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Like the, um, the uh, fine structure constant it, it's mm. basically uh, 1.168 i think and if you've ever seen the the uh like the carhartt insignia it's like mm-hmm. that spiral of life that people talk about a lot where um it's got that perfect spiral and what it is is basically you can draw that with the rectangles and always dissect the rectangle smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and infinitely smaller. Of course, it gets kind of not really feasible to go so small, but by contrast, you can also extrapolate and go big, 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 but it's always at this same constant and uh, in this relationship. And that fine structure constant, I think, is also reflected in music with the golden ratio, which is kind of like roughly three-fourths or, you know, where we get a fifth 
the concept of a fifth from kind of comes from that too. And so what you'll notice is in music, you'll see uh, the golden ratio is like this point a little bit past the three-fourths point where the song will actually pick up and kind of like get some more wind in its cells or do a little bit of an energetic boost toward the end of the song. And that's where you get this, that's where the golden ratio is. And it's the same relationship you see here with that triangle. So like right there and that AB blue orange segment there, that if that were a song length, let's say that it was four minutes long, well, right where that orange starts, that's where your golden ratio would be. And you would, the song would like start something else. That's if they're following this formula. And like every successful song is going to follow this, basically. <laughs> so, like, you know, you'd want to put your whatever you were holding back in the song. That's when you would like come out with this riff or whatever, you know, or solo, solo. guitar solo or something like that. <laughs> pretty wild stuff huh so yeah uh, so where where would the, the solo go or would the or is that would that be like the crescendo maybe yeah or like your falling action like your uh climax you got your rising action your climax and then your falling action so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be low energy but it's just another phase that kind of like takes you home to the right. end of the song you know like it might be like a little bit of a summary uh maybe you borrow something from earlier in the song and like the part that was really catchy, you maybe do that and expand on it. Comedy does that. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways to do it. Good comedians do that. They'll they'll say something in the beginning of their there you go uh, punchline. Yeah, the beginning of their show, and then they'll connect it back to that at the end of it. Right. I've Call never back. made that connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good example. Yeah. So they're doing the golden ratio with their comedy routine. I've never yeah who would have thought it was possible to use it that way so that's it's not see but that's the fine structure constant it's everywhere and so if i can operate within these natural rhythms and patterns it you know it's like going with the flow rather than against it yeah i think um, i talked about that exactly. uh, last week is uh how you, the finishing of your task you know you're not done sleeping exactly. until you've actually made your bed so you kind of end on the same thing that you started with and that completes the the circuit that completes the energy rather than leaving it. So making your bed is the golden ratio. Yeah. (laughs) Golden measure. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So when you're, when you're making your bed in the song, you're, you're like tying it up. Yeah. That's really, it's so simple and yet profound (laughs) at the same time. It's uh, weird, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but that was wow. relating to the pine cone, right? So that was kind of that concept of how it uh, extrapolates itself from a fractal kind of uh, perspective there. It's a perfect. And in, and in the Pinocchio, the newest Pinocchio movie, uh, oh, I can't the, watch it. he's created from a perfect pine cone. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty weird movie i interestingly (laughs) saw of uh like this youtube or instagram short you know whatever somebody had put a pine cone into water 
and uh, when they put the pine cone into water it like all all the little uh pine cone little parts collapsed on itself mm. and i just thought that was interesting it, yeah <laughs> implosion yeah because <laughs> yeah, you're talking about what... implosion yeah but so when he soaked it when he put it into a bowl of water it all closed up mm-hmm. yeah there's something out. There's some magical to the pine cone. I've yet to fully grasp it, but uh, the, well, the pineal there. gland is the pine cone, right? And they have uh, these uh, depictions of pine cones in um, at the Vatican. Um, Correct. The Roman two peacocks. Oh yeah, they're, they're the Roman uh, the Roman coins. They're sitting on top of, of this pine cone structure that kind of also looks like the umphalus stone. And sometimes the umphalus stone has like this netting over it that almost kind of makes it look like a pine cone. Um, so right. there's a lot of Here, interesting check, check this out. things to that. Yeah, um, I meant to bring this up earlier when we we're talking about the pine cones. You will, you guys will appreciate that. I think. Um, can't remember what it was you're talking about. Uh, you were, yeah, yeah, touching Iris. people with the. Pine and stuff yeah yeah so it reminds me of the thirsius thirsius okay mm-hmm. giant fennel yeah covered with ivy and vines and leaves sometimes with a tayane and topped with a pine cone artichoke kind of like the caduceus a little bit too uh-huh. artichoke i wonder that's interesting too the artichoke is kind of like a pine cone mm-hmm. very similar mm-hmm. but edible somewhat edible uh, i think these were used uh during valentine's day as well he's associated with dionysus and represents a symbol of prosperity fertility and hedonism hmm. interesting but yeah like a pine cone on the tip of it all right well let's uh I don't want to end it, but let's uh, end it here, guys. And uh, we'll finish up. Well, we finished chapter one, so that's good. We can start chapter two next time. And uh, thanks, guys, for being here again. I appreciate it. It's, It's always a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of fun on these chats. They have been very invigorating uh, to my brain and making me think uh, a bit deeper. So I appreciate it. I love that. Yeah, um, I look forward to it have, every week. Yeah, if you guys have any final words, go ahead and say them and, and plug whatever you got going on so that people can find you. Yeah, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can find me at my website. That's nomad.art, G-N-O-M-A-D.art. Uh, I also have a Patreon, Patreon slash nomad, where I do a series with the homie Romy from Rising from the Ashes. And we go through seemingly mundane objects and dig into the sort of esoteric history behind them. So that's been really fun right now. We're focusing on bells and a lot of really cool connections we've made. One of them is uh, like the etymology of bell being pan and the pan in the beginning of Hebrew that the root of that word is uh, time. So sort of correlating time with bells. And then we have the story later on of the Deklaka being uh, used for time travel. And so a lot of just fun weaves like that, that we've been getting into. If anyone is interested. That's awesome, man. Fascinating. 
Joshua. That sounds really cool, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Telegram. Um, so reach out and um, I'd be happy to talk, pray, do Bible study together, whatever you would like. And uh, you can find me on Instagram as Appalachian Aesthetic. And um, of course, Saturday is the Sabbath and we just finished the sixth day. So just like to say Sabbat Shalom to everybody listening and hope you have a good day of rest as we draw the evening to a close here. Thank you very much for listening and uh, sharing time and space. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Much love. Until next love time. You. Peace. Good night. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining. It's a celebration. Go and tell the nation. We're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting. I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining. It's a celebration. Go and tell the nation. We're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting. I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways. How many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace. I'm giving them thanks. I'm giving them praise. Giving them thanks. I'm giving them praise. I've been stuck in my ways. How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace. I'm giving them praise. Giving them thanks. Giving them praise. I'm giving them thanks. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks I'm giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks